Hello, and welcome to the Storyteller's Mission with Zena Del Lowe, a podcast for artists and storytellers about changing the world for the better through story. For the last two weeks, I have been engaged in a series exploring the nature of heroes and anti-heroes because I'm arguing that we need to change the kinds of stories that we write if we truly want to make a positive impact on culture. So, without further ado, I'm actually going to jump right into this week's episode. We left off talking about some of the good reasons why a person might have an anti-hero. And those reasons include a desire to portray a more honest or realistic character, a need to critique or rebel against unjust laws or corruption, and an honest recognition of moral complexities that must be contended with and accounted for in the fallen world in which we live. Those are legitimate reasons for a legitimate anti-hero. However, there is one more reason why anti-heroes have been being created. And this particular reason is not good. This particular reason is something we need to avoid. And I would argue it is this particular reason that has led to the creation of the kinds of anti-heroes that we're actually seeing now that ultimately are harmful to society. And that is reason number four, to let ourselves off the hook. We are creating these new, quote, heroes, which allow us to remain broken and selfish, that allow us to be as selfish as we want. These are the types of heroes that don't actually convict us or call us to be better than we are, but rather that justify why being selfish is perfectly fine given the world that we live in. Now, again, we are confused about what it means to be an anti-hero. An anti-hero is a main character in a story who lacks conventional heroic qualities such as idealism, courage, and morality. That is what is being touted as an anti-heroic character. An anti-hero is a realist. Okay, so here's the first glimpse of something that might be different or truly fundamentally opposed to a hero because a hero is typically classified as being an idealist. A realist, on the other hand, is someone who is practical. They see the world as it really is. And see, the implication there is that a hero then sees the world through rose-colored glasses. But I don't think that necessarily needs to be the case. The truth is we should all be realists in the sense that we should see the world as it really is, which means we need to see the good and the bad. Unfortunately, what the definition of realist has become is that we see the world only in its flawed state. We see the world as being irredeemable. It is not just realism that's being touted here. It is cynicism. It is skepticism. It is nihilism. When realism is being used in this context, it means that they see the permanent brokenness of the world as it really is. And that is what we take issue with because we cannot have anti-heroes if we're trying to write from a Christian worldview who are realists in that sense. We must have anti-heroes that are realist in the sense that they see the world as it really is, which means complex. 
which means we see both the personal dignity of a character and the depravity all at once. It's a fuller view of reality. But that's not what's being said here. Words matter and intentions behind those words matter. And so sometimes the same word can take on different meanings and that's what's happening. Okay, we want anti-heroes to defy laws that are unjust. Absolutely. If the law says, do not associate with this type of person or else you're going to be put to death, then we want anti-heroes who will rebel. Standard morals, though, that gets into some very vague, very questionable territory. And we need to be looking at that and wondering, what does that mean? Because characters who lack a basic moral compass lead to characters who show little to no remorse for bad actions. Now, that is a standard attribute assigned to the anti-hero. They are characters who show little to no remorse for their bad actions. And then the question becomes, why? Why would they do that? Why would they show little to no remorse for bad actions? Well, because they have adopted cynicism for their worldview. An anti-hero is cynical. Now, in case you're not familiar with what cynical means, here is a dictionary definition. Believing that people are motivated by self-interest, distrustful of human sincerity or integrity, concerned only with one's own interests and typically disregarding accepted or appropriate standards in order to achieve their own ends. So do you see what happens when you replace a belief in a moral worldview with cynicism? It undermines your ability to be heroic because ultimately it means that the only way for you to act is in your own selfish interests. And that becomes a problem. That becomes a problem. So again, we're confused because we have believed that complexity or having a character that has flaws that are legitimate and real means that they are ambiguous, that they have somehow given up a moral view of the world. But that is not how it should be. If you think about the serious Black character from the Harry Potter series, and what does he say? He tells Harry, we've all got light and dark inside us. What matters is the part we choose to act on. So this sums up the anti-hero in the sense that it's a character who has both good and bad qualities. However, the bad kind of anti-hero is the one who chooses to act badly because they've truly adopted a worldview that is cynical. Now, for the record, you can find examples of anti-heroes going way, way back and in all types of literature, works of fiction that are hundreds of years old. Some people would even say that Homer wrote about anti-heroes. Certainly, we saw some anti-heroes in Greek drama. Uh, Don Quixote, anti-hero. 
So the concept of an anti-hero isn't new. According to my research, the term anti-hero was first used in 1714 to describe the character in a book called Rameau's Nephew. Now, I don't know anything about it, but I know that it later became a term that was applied to a lot of Lord Byron's characters in his poems. The period of Romanticism in English literature helped popularize new forms of the anti-hero until the anti-hero eventually became an established form of social criticism. It was a phenomenon that was often associated with Fyodor Dostoevsky's Notes from an Underground with his protagonist there. It was meant to criticize the unjust world in which that character lived. So those earliest forms of anti-heroes, they had heroes who were not typical and who did have to rebel and who did these things that were atypical of heroes. However, there was something different about them than about some of the ones that we're seeing emerge today. What is that difference? What is that difference? That's what we're trying to get to. And I think I have an answer for you as we go. So the anti-hero emerged as a foil to the traditional hero archetype. And when this happened, the anti-hero took on a cynical worldview as his main modus operandi. He operated in a cynical world as a cynical character. So let's look at some of the main iconic anti-hero characters in America, just briefly. Huckleberry Finn. Huckleberry Finn has been called the first anti-hero in the American canon. And why would Huckleberry Finn be an anti-hero? Well, for one, he embodies some questionable traits, right? He tricks people into painting the fence. He also goes around with a character that in that day and age would be really suspect. But that's heroic. That is rebelling against an unjust world. And yet he still possesses some of these other qualities. But we see that and we see cleverness rather than true cynicism. We see a kid who's able to take the world as it is and cleverly fix it so that everybody gets what they want. But there is something a little suspect in his manipulations. Nevertheless, I wouldn't say that he is cynical. I wouldn't call Huckleberry Finn a cynic. Now, in the early 20th century, anti-heroism started to be adopted by existentialist writers like Frank Kafka when he wrote The Metamorphosis. And notice what happens in The Metamorphosis. It is not a happy ending. The Metamorphosis has a real nihilistic bent. A hopelessness is infused into the world. So now we're seeing a turn to true cynicism. And this keeps happening as the anti-hero prototype began to be explored in America. We began to see a protagonist that was increasingly indecisive and drifting through their lives. And their life is marked by confusion, ennui, angst, alienation, isolation, not connection to fellow man, certainly not a moral compass 
They are lost. Now, how did this happen? How did this happen? Well, I would argue it's because of the worldview of cynicism itself. What cynicism does is it calls into question everything we thought we knew. And so these characters don't know anymore what is right or wrong. They don't know what is good or bad. They don't know what they're supposed to do. These characters start embodying a worldview called cynicism, and it's a core belief that works itself out in their actions. Everything becomes subjective. What is heroism? Why should I rescue that person? Everybody is flawed. Nobody is innocent. Even that lady with the baby is not really innocent. So what good is it for me to act? It starts undermining all of our impulses for heroism. Cynicism is corrosive to the moral fabric of our world. And this continues. This continues. Uh, The anti-hero becomes explored even deeper in the 1950s and the 1960s. And it becomes a character that is increasingly alienated, unable to connect with other people, unable to communicate, unable to realize anything good or noble because it's all worthless. It's all hopeless. And again, what does this mean for us as a people? Well, it means we're off the hook in many ways. We're no longer challenged to be good because what is good? There's no such thing. We can be as selfish as we want. Now, this also continued to happen in comic books. In the 1960s, Stan Lee revolutionized superheroes. And one of the ways that he did that was by creating superheroes that had prominent flaws and vulnerabilities. Now for Marvel, believe it or not, their most influential character early on was the Hulk, who was a rampaging monster. And he terrified people who were even supposed to be his friends. And in his puny human form, he's a brilliant scientist, but he can't control his alter ego's ferocity. So he's helpless to control it. Now, I love, by the way, what happens in the Avenger Marvel Universe as the evolution of Hulk's character happens. Because finally, the scientist merges with the Hulk. They become one. He can control his anger. So that's actually counter anti-heroism. But the second character that was really important in this adventure or in this infusion in our society was Marvel's Wolverine character from X-Men. And that was in 1975 he arrived. Here's a description that I read online. The Wolverine character is a charismatic loner with a working class ethic and a poet's soul. Now, here's where I have to excuse myself and say I can't speak to the evolution of Wolverine in comic books because I didn't read those. I'm not familiar with them. So I'm not speaking to that. I can only speak to what we saw of Wolverine in the films. And the thing is, he is an anti-hero, but he represents the good kind of anti-hero. 
because deep down he believes in the possibility of redemption. Or if he doesn't, he comes to believe it over time. He comes to believe it. He becomes heroic in the process. So even though he is an anti-hero who has been used and abused and he's broken and he's wounded, I do not believe that he ultimately represents a cynical worldview, at least at the end of his story. Maybe he does at the beginning, but he is redeemed. He is redeemed. So what accounts for that? What accounts for that transformation? So Shrek versus Walter White. While these two characters go through seemingly opposing character arcs, they're actually really the same kind of character. They both represent an anti-hero who is selfish. However, Shrek grows to become a better person. He grows, whereas Walter White grows to become a more selfish person. And yet this site is saying that they are both anti-heroes. And they're right on one hand, because Shrek is certainly a different type of hero, but they're wrong on another hand. And that's what we're trying to get to today. What is that thing that makes this statement wrong? Because again, we have confusion about what makes a hero versus what makes an anti-hero and character flaws versus defects versus heart issues versus personality traits. Which parts are irredeemable? Which parts make it so that the anti-hero crosses a line from which he cannot be redeemed? But now let's look at Batman and the evolution of Batman. Now, Batman has been presented in a lot of different mediums and certainly in a lot of different ways. We know some things about him. We know he's a vigilante who protects the city of Gotham, but he's rejecting and defying the law by being a vigilante. But it's worth it. Why? Because the cops are corrupt. The whole system is corrupt and somebody has to protect the people of Gotham. So in those early representations of Batman, he is still heroic. He's breaking the law for the right reasons. He's breaking the law because he has to. But contrast that type of Batman with one of the most recent renditions of Batman, the Dark Knight. And what we see is that he is no longer a hero in a moral position. He adopts an anti-moral position. How so? Because in the dark night, Batman allows himself to be seen as the villain. Why? Because he deems it better than exposing the truth. His whole struggle goes beyond whether or not society is worth saving, although he's wrestling with that too, which is a very cynical point of view. Is society even worth saving? Are people worth saving? That means he's adopted the viewpoint that people are primarily bad and driven by self-interest. He's a cynic. And ultimately, then, his actions are based on the belief that people are too stupid or too bad to be entrusted with the truth. They cannot be allowed to think for themselves. So what's he going to do? He's going to protect them by becoming the villain that they already think he is. And this is cynicism. This is nihilism. This is a hopeless worldview. This is not good 
for the world. Cynicism, a belief that everyone is driven fundamentally and entirely by selfishness. And when we believe that, we take what we want for ourselves. What else can we do in a world like that? Cynicism ruins storytelling. Cynicism tells people, you can't really make a difference anyway. So why even try? It stifles our impulses to act in a graceful, loving way. Because what does it matter? It siphons energy from the pursuit of the mastery of craft. It siphons the energy from the pursuit of creating things that are beautiful because beauty is a lie. Why? Because it's all subjective. There's nothing true to a cynic. It brings confusion about the real stakes in a story and in life because who's to say if something is good or bad? How would you know? Oh, yeah, I guess it, I don't know. So what do we do? We stop trying. And it disbelieves the possibility of heroism. It says everybody has an agenda. Nobody is acting in selfless interests. Everybody is selfish. When you view the world that way, what good is it to do anything heroic? Cynicism ruins storytelling and cynicism ruins culture. So what is the solution? What is the solution? How do we write flawed characters and yet avoid writing cynical characters that actually harm society? Well, join me next week where we'll be diving into that very issue. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening to The Storyteller's Mission with Zena Delwell. May you go forth inspired to change the world for the better through story.